Hello and welcome to the OTM podcast. I am Craig Brown. And I am Miriam Higgins. Who's on the show today? Today we will be speaking to Nadia Rich and Tristan Jackson Pate. Just a heads up, the audio quality is not great in this episode as we had to use different software, so apologies for that. So we are with Nadia Rich and Tristan Jackson-Pate. We have resorted to using Zoom because we were having difficulties on the software that we normally use. So apologies for the reduction in quality, but uh, the chat but not won't be... quality content. Yeah. Exactly, yes. <laughs> but it's fine. At least we, we get you guys and that's what's important. I think I've got you all. Are you all still here? We're we here. Are. We're, okay, we're, good. With guidance. <laughs> we're just being terribly polite, Craig, and not interrupting you whilst this, you're speaking. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, let, should we start with Nadia? Tell us about yourself, who you are and what you do. Yeah. Hi. I am a producer and based in Oxfordshire. I, I moved here a few years ago to start my career in arts programmes, making the theatre. And since then, I've gone on to kind of producing projects and shows for Oxfordshire-based audiences mainly, but also nationally. I guess my main kind of passion is creating multi-layered, multi-art form work for young people that really does like reflect the world today um, and gives a platform for young people to discuss and experience and present um, whatever they kind of want to use art for really so yeah that's that's me and um, I work part-time at Pegasus Theatre in East Oxford but I also am an independent producer working with dance and theatre artists. And Tristan same question to you tell us who you are and what you do. Hello, so I'm Nadia and I are on as youth correspondents, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm also very passionate about working with young people. I trained originally as an actor and I'm now a writer, director, run a theatre company called Cherwell Theatre in Banbury, north of the county. And I'm all about creating work that celebrates community, puts young people at the centre. And I suppose what makes us at CTC unique is that we bring young people together with professional artists, recognising their contributions are equal. So they create work on a really equal, fun footing. And uh, we often do plays in unusual places like new build housing estates or decommissioned nuclear bunkers or pancake houses, things like that. (laughs) Wow, that's so great. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good fun. Partly like nomadic necessity of just being an independent theatre company and wanting to uh, sort of find new places to work. But also it's about removing barriers for audiences who wouldn't normally come and see theatre. Things we make are usually free. We like to take stuff onto people's doorsteps. But it's also about young people kind of claiming areas they wouldn't normally go in their town so making something in the town hall that's not the kind of place young people necessarily feel like they'd they'd want to go or feel welcome and it's a really unique experience for them to uh, create dystopian dramas in a in a bunker underneath it that sounds amazing where is this nuclear bunker (laughs) Uh, so it's underneath Banbury town hall when we were devising that particular project we went to go and speak with the museum and the reminiscence groups and they unearthed all this archive material about about when this bunker was created in the 70s and it was to do with the cold war and all the paranoia and there was absolute local uproar about uh, the town council spending all this money 
on creating a bunker to you know keep the MP and the councillors safe if there was a some kind of nuclear disaster. Uh, <laughs> and there were lots of uh, articles from kind of you know Labour activists saying what a disaster that you're spending public funding on making this thing. But it's really well preserved unused area that the town council just store event stuff in and we took it over with a bunch of young people and created promenade theater under there last year it was really exciting that sounds amazing it does <laughs> i think it's really empowering giving young people the opportunity to create and reimagine and take ownership over spaces that like you said that they don't normally get to experience and a fantastic thing for audiences but i think in particular for for any young people that may feel a theatre space is a bit intimidating or doesn't feel right for them, it's a really fantastic way of using different spaces and, and creating different possibilities. I think we, uh, with our young companies, we always try to think about how, how different spaces around theatre can be used as well, because event on theatre to be all about what is on stage. It's just as much about the making process, about creating environments and atmospheres and that isn't all there. You know, our theatre is a black box and it's up to them to kind of determine what they want to do with it. You guys have been working on ideas recently for digitising classes for youth groups or workshops. Yeah, well, we're at this, it's early days, isn't it? So we're at the conversation of just trying to have honest conversations with uh, other people across the county and in our sector. I do think, I think it's amazing this podcast has started now. And in a way, I sort of thought, why don't we already have this? Because ATM is such a positive, proactive, supportive, brilliant community. And I think we are the envy of lots of other counties across the country. So I I work a bit at Northampton University and I'm involved a bit with sort of JMK groups around the theatre in Northampton, which I think you are as well, Mim, sometimes? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and when I talk about what ATM is, they kind of can't believe it. And the fact that, you know, we've got to the stage of, you know, the the amazing people who run it, organising things like the M&H Showcase and now starting to respond with digital play readings and things like that. We are so lucky to have this community and I feel I've benefited immeasurably from it. It's really connected me with amazing other artists, uh, including everyone in this uh, (laughs) current conversation who I just wouldn't have met otherwise. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a really, really brilliant thing. And it seemed natural to start a conversation in response to this crisis to talk about ways that we might work together Uh, which I think will come further down the line. But actually, at the moment, in the sort of two conversations that we've had, it's more been about just honestly talking about how we feel about the situation and and maybe how our young people feel about it. Because it is so overwhelming. And (laughs) I think we're probably all having days where we wake up feeling motivated to want to try and create something and other days where we feel like we just need to get through the day. it's really important to to kind of share the the learning resources and um, that mm. we that we do have and that we either have used or have discovered for connecting with young people that are vulnerable. And you know, there isn't a complete brilliant answer to that problem at the moment. But the more that mm. we do kind of talk about it and share what we've learned, the better we will be in the long run as well. For there is a new other reason that we might not be able to engage directly or you know face to 
place for impersonally and personally. So I think that's uh, looking at the kind of, I'm talking about the safeguarding concerns that we have, or mm. you know, the technical issues that we have with people that are, you know, in very different circumstances. You know, mm. we, we do drama groups where there'll be a high proportion of um, young people who come from difficult home lives and have difficult backgrounds and actually may not have access to resources such as a computer with a, a microphone how do you keep up with them how do you engage them and inspire them to to keep going with the work that you've been doing together so i think like having that platform for discussion is so crucial at the moment for, for making people feel like they're not alone with these problems and, mm. and that they're not alone with that struggle to kind of to connect with, with people that are already, you know, quite, it can be quite difficult to connect with anyway. It's yeah. fantastic that you set it up, Tristan, for us to talk about what we're doing and collaborate and think of new ways of moving forward. And on that, how can anybody listening get involved in that discussion right now? Well, I'll be posting things in the OTM Facebook group, which is always just the best hub for OTM related chat, whether or not you enjoy Facebook, which I personally don't very much. It is a good place for us all to come together. We've created a separate group because I didn't want to just feel like I was flooding OTM with this stuff. It's called Oxfordshire Arts COVID-19 Response. I think it's called something like that. But if you go into the OTM Facebook, you'll you'll find a link to it and I will still post occasional things linking to it. Uh, Just to pick on what you said, Nadia, I I think I've been thinking a lot recently about pressure and actually John from, from Pegasus said something really good on the chat that we had on Tuesday. I've been thinking about possibly how lots of us feel uh, just as, uh, as artists, but also just as human beings, which is overwhelmed by the huge amount of information that's coming at us every day, whether it's feeling like, we need to use this time to learn a new language, create a new play, blah de blah which is really positive if that's what you're doing with your time and I salute mm. you, but not all of us feel ready to do yet. Or whether it's, you know, think putting myself in the shoes of young people who are going, do pee with Joe Wicks, do this, do that, do, you know, it's mm. not knowing where to turn. And like Nadia, I work a lot with quite vulnerable young people and the, the discussions I've been having kind of at county level as well about safeguarding practices and about access and engagement, it's becoming really clear to me that everybody is working this out. Nobody knows the answer yet. But there are lots of young people who really rely on services that they're not able to access at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that is my kind of primary concern, really. The hard to reach just got harder to reach. And I think we're rewriting the rule book in a lot of ways together. And I know there's a lot of will to work it out, but we it is going to take time. And the thing about being slow, I think, is so wise because we're so used to either as you know facilitators in our workshop practice using energy and momentum to motivate groups, or even just as freelancers who need to self-motivate to keep a career going and keep the bills being paid. We're so used to moving at a really ridiculously hectic pace. And I think we are all adjusting to life becoming a bit slower, to time meaning something completely different. And for when we do start developing these online platforms, it is all going to necessarily have to be slower. And the really important thing to me is creating ways that we can meaningfully interact online with larger groups of people 
and making sure that the practice in terms of youth work is still young person led it's not didactic it's not a person becoming a teacher it's still hearing their concerns and creating new safe spaces uh, online just like the ones that that we've nurtured for years and years in our own settings but that is going to be really hard <laughs> yeah it'd be interesting to check in with you guys further down the line once you set some of these things up and maybe come back with some feedback it'd be interesting to hear what you have to say yeah i'd be really happy to do that i think one of the things i'm thinking at the moment we talked about on tuesday was just as well as being slow is not rushing because I think lots of people are seeing this response around them from celebrities, from other organisations, from other people they know, and thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to launch my daily Zumba right now. I've mm. got to do it. Uh, and not thinking about how to do it well, how to look after the people that engage with it, and how to make it a worthwhile, meaningful experience. And there's, of course, there's also financial constraints of freelancers thinking I've got to do this thing so I can keep my family, you know, yeah. <laughs> fed. Mm. And that, of course, that is another concern. I think a bit of caution is needed. I've been really worried about seeing things being set up. And again, from a safeguarding point of view, just thinking how are the people using this being kept safe? It, it mm. all seems like the responses in some areas just, just been too quick. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We've taken a bit of time at Pegasus to think about ways that we can creatively engage young people from afar. And we are, you know, admittedly, it's still something that we are working out. And um, we're doing some little creative prompts in between. We're going to be starting with our supported artist six week series of creative prompts and learning opportunities. So a bit of seeing a bit of doing, a bit of responding to different forms of art for different ages. So there'll be like Robin Olivia from Out of Duck and Synth Theatre. She's going to be doing a, uh, a puppet making workshop for family. And it's just kind of short, some pre-recorded, some live events. Spark a little bit of, of creativity in your, you know, in your week, but that are low pressure. They are short and they are high quality. We all felt kind of a little bit bombarded at times by all of the amazing live events and things that are happening or shows that are being shared. But I think, yeah, the, the focus on, on kind of keeping it short and simple and high quality is what we want to do at the moment to bridge the gap and to give ourselves a little bit more time and space to, to think about how we work creatively and, as Tristan said, in a meaningful way with young people that and aren't able to attend our courses, workshops, and inclusion programs. So we're really, really trying to balance that with also maintaining the level of quality that people would expect from MPO organisations and one that's funded also partly by the City Council. So keeping up those standards and the visibility at the same time is actually is quite a challenge um, so at the hard. moment. We are not. You know, there's no way that we are prepared for this. I think technology is quite, you know, underused in the way that we work on the day to day. So even, you know, transferring everything, uh, communicating like this and video chats and stuff is a little bit, even that is a, a bit of a jump for, for some people and a little bit difficult to, to get your head around. How are you staying engaged with the arts at the moment, personally? I mean, I'm lucky to know. You know, from working in the industry, I'm lucky to know lots of people 
who are making things, sharing things. So I, I guess I feel I feel really actively um, engaged because I do have so much access to lots of great things. I love watching shows and I love talking to people about their work. One thing that I'm doing at the moment through Oxford Dance Forum is providing my sessions and workshops with dancers who are trying to adjust. And that might be navigating the uh, emergency funds from Arts Council or talking about changing timescales and looking at helping them to adjust their projects, their projects for the longer term benefit um, and what support that um, artists need at the moment. So that's available to anyone in the ODS network. Please go generally. I am up for having a chat with any local artists who are just a little bit unsure of what the next steps are and what they can apply for or how they can basically what what this means to their project is something that you know I've been experiencing myself as a producer having to push things back about a year I think just having someone else to talk to about how that works when you're an independent artist who Self-produce, self-direct, self, you know, does it all. It can be quite helpful. Wow, Nadia, you're doing loads of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> 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 I wish I was doing as much as that. Uh, I think I, I, have, I think you our... are underselling yourself, Tristan. I agree. Huge amount of stuff. <laughs> In our household, my wife is an amazing teacher who is not going into school at the moment, but is still obviously working remotely with students. But I've got an eight-year-old and a two-year-old, and she has been the main source of creativity in our house. She's been incredible. She set us an inc- amazing um, schedule for the day, which has got, you know, an hour of sort of physical activities mm-hmm. in the morning and some time where we can both do the work we need to do in the mornings or, you know, or be on podcasts. Uh, <laughs> but then also, you know, just incredibly engaging, creative stuff with the children that works for eight-year-olds and two-year-olds involving bits of schoolwork. So I'm in awe of her, her creativity. I just wanted to pick up on what you said about how this is impacting producers. I think that's a really, that's a a really important discussion point for us to have, you know, across the county for companies and and independent producers too, because unproducing is a job, isn't it? That's a job loads of producers are doing at the moment. They're rolling back on shows that they had planned and they're having to wind them all down. And that is still a, a huge amount of work that you need to do or, For example, at the moment, we have funded projects that we've postponed. We're looking whether some of them might be adapted. It's a huge task. I do feel like I am in quite a privileged position to be supported, you know, with my my part-time work at Pegasus as a a producer, especially early career as I am. Um, The kind of producer food is often a small kind of footnote (laughs) than in any um, kind of funded project. That's very, very true. <laughs> it's like, right, make sure that everyone gets uh, UK theatre salt rate and then whatever is left that you can squirrel in for yourself, you do. <laughs> and you say, yes, two days of producing for this project, <laughs> knowing full well that it's going to take, you know, a couple of weeks of your time. 
just because it's just what you have to do to keep the budget and stuff low and make sure that other people get paid fairly. It's always a bit of a balance and I am in the position where I can do that. So I can and will occasionally do that. When you then look at the workload essentially doubling and still trying to ensure that artists have contributions, even though the project is going ahead and it's being postponed, you know, it it is tough to work out financially yeah to be honest, well, but. and there's there's also the concern that for stuff that we're planning in 2021 for example we're going for the the arts council emergency fund mm. to develop to you know to, to support us developing these these sustainable online platforms because we you know we're a charity so we keep things very low cost or free to take part in anyway but um the, the worry that this will go on for 12 18 months I think has forced us into thinking it is a necessity for the people, you know, the participants and the young people we support that we have to create something for them. We don't know what it is yet, but <laughs> we, we have a responsibility yeah. to do it. But I think the danger is that the Arts Council have diverted, you know, rightly, I think, diverted that money into stopping these cultural institutions falling to their knees. And, you know, again, we're lucky in that we don't, rely on earned income that much as a as a company we we rely way more on grants to make stuff happen it means that that money that's been diverted away now to help in the short term is being taken out of budgets for projects next year so if and when we do come out of this and we want to be producing work again and there's a real appetite for people to go and see theatre and have live communal experiences which is obviously exactly why most of us enjoy theatre there'll be no money from some of the some of the standard funders to make it happen so I mean that yeah. is another challenge we've got coming down the track right I'm in this strange position of kind of being like on the fence um <laughs> with that situation because obviously as a as an MBA as well and at Pegasus we are so absolutely grateful for the support to continue functioning continue the building running secure people's jobs like it's, it's so absolutely important also you know we're paying our freelancers to cover their lost income from the building closing which is fantastic and i think real life that it is some people That's wonderful but at the same time i am concerned as you are about funding for longer term projects and a project next year and actually even the year after because of the amount of, of composition versus the, the small funds that will be available but I think one thing that it's really taught me is just how reliant a lot of my work is on Arts Council funding. So mm. I'm trying to learn as much as I can about other ways of making an ask and uh, getting contributions from a variety of sources to support the kind of sustainability of my work. There have been loads of sites that have been fantastic at being providing free support at the moment for artists to to see contributions for work that they're doing or shows that they're sharing, etc. And I think looking at how willing people are to kind of contribute towards the arts, I think that's another resource that we can be using to fund our work. What are you looking forward to in the future right now? That's a really good point. And I, I 
think one of the things I was going to say based on that is that when we come out of this situation, I'd like to feel there is going to be a coming together, not only nationally, but internationally, and looking at the way other countries have responded to crises like this. And actually, in some ways, our government have responded quite well. But I think there will be a coming together. I think people will recognise the value of arts and culture a lot more after this because mm. I think we have had a rocky 10 years I mean I I have only created theatre under austerity that is the only condition I've ever created theatre I don't know what it's like this golden time I sometimes hear people talk about where <laughs> when there was money uh, that's my son who's just walked in <laughs> he can come and contribute to this conversation about economics can you darling do you want to say hello hello <laughs> hello hi Leo this is the next generation. This is what makes me feel positive. <laughs> um, but to try and finish off that thought, I think people are going to realise the value and I hope that there is a coming together across the board of all different industries. But I hope also when you're talking about diversifying in income streams and that sort of thing, I hope businesses are going to come back to supporting the arts in a way that I feel some some do, um, but understanding mm. corporate responsibility, I hope that is something that, that, that sees a new vogue in the next couple of years. Um, and I hope we all understand the value of community and shared communal experiences as well. There is stuff that you can do online and we can and we will to survive, but there is stuff that is all about being in rooms together that yeah. I think <laughs> hopefully we'll see the value of. I think there'll be a huge benefit for the arts with a focus on community cohesion and social cohesion once we start to recover from this. And, you know, what is more cohesive than bringing people together through art? So I think that, yeah, more kind of socially engaged and community engaged work will start to get the, the recognition that um, we all know that it is deserves. so true. I think that's the journey I've been on as, as an artist really over the last 10 years. I trained as an actor. I thought that's probably all I wanted to do. I have huge respect and admiration for actors, but I think the, the thing I've learned more about... <laughs> try and make this point very quickly. And then have to go. <laughs> the thing I've learned more and more about in the last 10 years through doing different work in the community is that the arts are a mechanism to open people up, whether that's doing music with people with dementia or whether that's working with young people and definitely people who wouldn't think theatre was for them at all but that's a mechanism to get them talking and making friends with each other whether it's bonding new communities together in isolated situations from creating a festival for them I mean that has become the central central driver of all my work really and the most rewarding thing and I, I think it does that that does need recognition because anyone who does that work sees firsthand the transformational effect the arts have on communities and, and that's why they're deserving of funding and support. Absolutely. Uh, the the theatre in general is a tool for making empathy. I've heard that as a quote about film but I think it's so true about theatre as well and it's for the people on stage, for the people backstage and for those in the audience. It really does create communities within communities. And that's why it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
The other thing I'm uh, looking forward to is making my show with Craig and getting that on the road. Oh, yes. Little plug. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to um, give it a short plug, Tris? <laughs> well, Nadia has also contributed to the show. Not only is just an incredibly enthusiastic audience member at all the shows. With the <laughs> best <laughs> laugh as well. <laughs> she really, really is the best person to have in any audience. So <laughs> yes. I think you could be a one-woman renter crowd from now on. If you <laughs> Right, I'm adding that. I'm adding that to my CV. <laughs> um, but she's also been providing lovely digital design because uh, we're using this time to sort of. We, we did a great R and D process for our play Sam and Zoe versus Evermore, where we worked out how game theatre aspects work, and we're now in a nice position of taking our time to finish writing the script and, and planning the tour and how it's all going to work. And actually, one of the nice things about using this technology is that we're all getting used to zoom calling each other and probably if we all had our normal lives to get on with we wouldn't spend six hours on zoom working out the mechanisms of the rest of the play like we did <laughs> a couple of weeks yeah, ago yeah i think it's focusing our minds in a lot of ways so look out for sam and zoe versus evermore it's going to be awesome when we put it together that is one of the things that i'm looking forward to seeing great yeah. work that have been made during this very weird time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I think we, we might see a spike in people making theatre about isolation and things like that. And we might, that I think there'll be a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> be a lot. But in a way, I think what I'm so proud of in terms of the concept we've arrived at, and it's been a two-year journey to get to the stage we're at now and it's not finished yet, mm. but is that our play is all about community and being together yeah. so hopefully when we can be together again that message will ring loud and clear that's Agreed. fantastic thank you so much guys it's been a really interesting chat with both of you oh can we interview you next time oh please sure <laughs> yeah absolutely and it'll be really great to get you guys back on again you know in the future talk about how far you've got with the youth theater digital plan and then everything else that's going on and hopefully it with could better be technology <laughs> Best technology, yeah. No, 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 not, not you. I mean, yeah, it's just all the my fault, everyone. It, it's all my fault. No, no, dear, it's not. It's, it's, not, it's, it's technology not. in general. We'll, we'll meet again in 2023, and my son will present my. <laughs> that would be brilliant. It would. Lovely to talk to you. I'm yeah. going to go be Great. a parent. Great. Thank you both go so much. Be a parent. Thank you. Thank you very much to our guests, Nadia Rich and Tristan Jackson-Pate. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Ox Theatre Makers, Instagram and Facebook, Oxfordshire Theatre Makers. And you can email us at Oxfordshire Theatre Makers events at gmail.com. If you would like to come onto the podcast and chat about theatre and Oxfordshire, please get in touch. <laughs>